I want to know the truth. This world offers me more confusion than answers. What does it mean to live in truth and follow Jesus? Who is he calling us to be? He has given us his word to find exactly what we are looking for. He is what we need. Well, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, so I didn't have a ton of time to prepare, right? So um, bear with me this morning, but I am so grateful that the Lord has given me a word to share. He really showed up in a big way this week. And um, like Tim said, my name is Kara. I am wife to Rick in the back, the redhead. You can wave. <laughs> uh, he's over the next gen ministry here. And um, uh, we've actually been married for 11 years. I get it right. He's gotten it wrong a couple times when I ask, when people ask how many years we've been married, but 11 years. I have four children. It sounds like a lot because it is a lot, okay? Um, our oldest, Ricky, he's an amazing seven-year-old. Then we have our second-born, Nora Joy. She's our little miracle girl, but she's feisty, five years old. Uh, Crosby is the reason we're exhausted. He's three. Um, I recently had a friend say that, like, Crosby's like having eight toddlers in one. I'm like, I know. Believe me, I know. And then our little bundle of joy, Gracie, is six months old. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful to raise them here in this church and in this community. It takes a village. Amen? It does. And we're so grateful for those that pour into the lives of our children and the kids' ministry and so many of you. So thank you. Um, and I, I can't continue without saying how grateful I am for the leadership of Tim and Barb. I cried first service. Probably going to cry this service too. But um, before I came up on stage during first service, Tim prayed over me, and I was just overwhelmed with gratitude for a leader who sees the gifts that God has given me and desires to see me flourish in them and grow and um, just is such an encouragement and leads our community so well. Tim and Barb, the thing I love about them is who they are on this stage in that front lobby is who they are at home. And those of you who know them know that. They are no different. They have an authentic and genuine faith and desire to see us all grow in ours. Um, so this morning, I'm going to get right to it. Uh, it's a sensitive issue, okay? It's a, it's a sense, it can be a sensitive topic because I know there are many women in the room that may have close relationships to their mothers, uh, some that might not have a relationship at all. There are some that are, are single in the room and waiting for Mr. Wright, some who are single from a broken marriage, um, and there are some with fertility issues, wanting to be a mother, desiring it, and some who are just like me exhausted right now, right? Um, and so I, I'm going to be as sensitive as I can, but I really do believe that the Lord's given me a word for you this morning, and I'm looking forward to sharing it. So let, let's go to the Lord first in prayer. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for the way that you use us. I thank you for how much you love us, for the ability you have given us to glorify you. I thank you that you call your people, that you desire us, that you want to know who we are. God, I pray that this morning that you would allow this word to be an encouragement to the hearts in the room. 
to those that are discouraged, those who don't feel valued, those who are um, just in difficult seasons of life, I pray that this word would be an encouragement to their hearts. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to do in your name. Amen. All right, so this morning I called this message the giftedness of women. Okay, and so I believe that each of us have a gift to display different attributes of our Heavenly Father. Um, so first of all, everyone in the room, whether you are a woman or a man, you have the ability to glorify the Lord. This is our number one calling, is to worship the Lord with who we are. We look at Romans 12:1, and it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is a gift, right? We've been given these bodies to be able to glorify the Lord with. We are image bearers of him. We have the ability to reflect attributes of God. And I believe that God has given a unique way for women to reflect who he is. So we're going to start at the very beginning. The first woman ever created was Eve, First woman ever created, and her name in Hebrew is Hava. This means life giver. This is the first gift that I'm going to focus on, and this is not a comprehensive list of gifts. God has given us many. And I first want to say I know there are vast different personalities in the room, right? Some of us are extroverted, some introverted, but I believe these are gifts that the Lord has given women in particular. One, as I said, is life giver. I have given birth four times, like I said, and it is amazing to me how it never gets old. It's incredible. Like I have my body and all of a sudden I have a living being inside of me. And if you've experienced this, you know, I see the nods, you know what it's like. It's all of a sudden life is being formed. I'm so excited Alex is here with us today and she is expecting. And it is just an beautiful, amazing experience that you get to carry this life, right? So we have the ability as women to conceive, carry, birth, and sustain these children. And it doesn't end there. We impact them. For the rest of their lives, we're given a position of influence in their life. This is truly miraculous, the way that the Lord has designed this. And so often we, you know, we know people who are pregnant. We go to all the baby showers and everything, and it doesn't become a big deal. But I think it's so important to step back and to look at this process that God has designed and realize the miracle that it is. So some of you know this, and I'm not going to go into much detail, uh, this part of our story. My second uh, pregnancy, we had a complicated pregnancy. I was on bed rest. We were told there was a, a chance that she might meet Jesus before us or that she would have uh, multiple disabilities. And there's a whole list of things to go with that. Um, but we, we didn't know if we would meet our daughter. And truly the Lord rescued her. He saved her. Uh, at full term, she was born at full term, three pounds, 11 ounces. Something was up, right? But the Lord absolutely delivered her and saved her. And she knows this, okay? She knows, this little girl knows that she's a miracle. Nobody needs to remind her, okay? No one needs to remind her. Because at night, Rick and I, Rick's like, you can remind her, you know, daddy's girl for sure. 
at night, we'll read our kids a Bible story. And we, we sing, Jesus loves me. We read the Bible story and we pray together. And don't believe that it's like some kumbaya moment. Like it is chaos, all right? Chaos. And we will um, pray with them. And every once in a while, Nora Joy will look at me and go, hey, mom, I'm a miracle. And she'll smile like, I'm a miracle. And I make a point. I'm like, you're right, baby. You are. You're a miracle. But I will make a point to look at Ricky and Crosby if he's somewhere in the vicinity. Right? Gracie's asleep. Praise the Lord. But I will look at them and I'll say, hey, you're a miracle too. Our lives are miraculous. The fact that we have the ability to exist and glorify the Lord in this way is just breathtaking. Psalms 139, 13 through 14, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is something all of us can do in this room is praise the Lord because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. This is a privilege. This is a privilege. And I know a lot of times, and moms will know what I mean, and I'm not saying anything bad about this, but you'll notice sometimes people will make a post uh, women will make a post and say, hey, I'm so proud of my body. Look at what my body did, right? And we should be grateful. I mean, pregnancy is not easy, right? It is difficult. It's beautiful for sure, but it is difficult. And a lot of times we'll be like, look what my body did, right? And I think um, that we're missing out if we don't realize that this life-giving gift shouldn't lead us to pride in our body, it should lead us to have attitudes of gratitude and humility. We should be grateful for this gift and humbled that the Lord would allow us to be used in this way. And so how we're, when I think of grateful, I think of a story Rick often shares of a woman who had fallen away from the Lord, fallen away from her faith, and she... Um, years down the road, got pregnant and had a baby. And she was putting the baby down at night, changing the diaper, the whole, giving a bath. Some, some do every single night. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a chore, right? And she's going to feed her baby and she's rocking her baby and she looks down and is overwhelmed by gratitude for this child. Looks at this child and realizes there's no gift to compare this to. There's no gift to compare it to. And that feeling was followed by immediate dread, immediate sadness, because she had no one to look to, to say thank you for this gift. And that is the thought that led her back to Jesus. That is the thought that led her back to the church, was this realization of, I have to thank the Lord for this gift that he has given me. We should be so grateful. And then we should be humbled, right? Have humility that the Lord would allow us to be used in this way. When I think of the ultimate life-giving moment, we're about to celebrate the Christmas season, right? The mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the picture of humility. I was actually talking to my mom about this message, and she made me aware of something I don't know how I haven't thought of this before, but uh, she made me aware that it really is amazing that God saw fit to use the avenue 
this process that he has given a woman to bring the Christ child to the world. He didn't just appear. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She was able to carry him, birth him, and nurture him. He didn't come independent. He came dependent on his mother, needing to be nurtured. What a beautiful thing to realize that God allowed a woman and this gift he'd given a woman to bring about the life of the Christ child. I love Mary's song in Luke. Luke 1, 46 through 49. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. What I love is that Mary receiving this gift didn't say, oh, look at me, God chose me. She allowed the opportunity to serve God in this way, to, to be chosen to bring forth the Christ child, and she used that opportunity to point to the Father. She used it to point to him. Now, I know some of you in this room um, may have struggled with fertility issues and may say, Kara, I've never physically birthed a child or I'm, I'm single and I don't have the opportunity to have a child. I want to encourage you this morning. I actually asked permission to say this. But Crystal McCrell, uh, who's part of our community here, hasn't had her own kids. Hasn't been able to have her own children. And I know she's gone through seasons of difficulty. Of, Lord, why didn't you allow me to have my own child, but what I am so grateful for in her example is she has not allowed that to make her believe that she cannot be a life giver. The Lord has not removed that gift from her. She is able to pour life, speak life over the next generation. And she's actually a mentor pouring in to some of our mentees here at the cross. And I'm so grateful, but I, I just want to make sure those who struggle and say, well, Kara, I haven't physically been able to have a child. That doesn't take that gift away from you. The Lord still wants to use that nurturing ability within you. And then the second gift is helper, okay? And so we're going to go to Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And all the men in the house say, Amen. Rick says, glory. <laughs> I don't make him say that, I promise. <laughs> uh, and the next part of the scripture says, I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay, this is confession time. Okay, so if you don't know me, you might not know this about me, but I am highly competitive. Okay, people on staff know this about me. I, you don't want to play a game with me. Okay, I don't like to lose. It's really a problem. The Lord is working on me. Okay, I literally would, I get this from my grandma. I tell my mom, I think I have a double portion because my mom's this way too. But I would play card games with my grandmother. When I was like 10, we played phase 10. And you know, this is a long game. Like there's no going back and playing it again. If one of us lost, we'd leave the room. We would be so frustrated, we would walk out of the room, okay? 
So when Rick and I got married on our registry, we had some games. People gave us some games, and we were like, this will be fun. We'll build our marriage and have fun memories together and play a card game. Rick learned quickly that I am not only a sore loser, but I am a gloating winner. Okay? There is no upside to this thing. There was nothing good about it. Excuse me. So then I look at my daughter, Nora, and I am like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Whenever she loses, she just sobs. She just melts into a puddle. And I want to tell her, I know it's the worst. I hate losing. It's the worst. And I'll tell her, she'll say, Ricky doesn't let me win. And I'll say, honey, you can't let someone win rock, paper, scissors, shoot. It just doesn't work like that, okay? It doesn't work like that. Um, so that being said, all of that to say, I don't like to be number two. And the Lord's working with me. So when I read helper fit for him, that did not sit well with me. It felt like number two. It felt like all the work that nobody else wanted to do, all the grunt work, all the busy work. It felt like everything on the side. And some of you might say, hey, listen, that is my sweet spot. I like to be in the background. I wish I was given that gift. I have not been given that gift. I struggle. And so actually, when I studied this word, I was very grateful because I discovered something. Helper in this scripture in Hebrew is azer. Everybody say azer. Thank you. Okay, the meaning of this word is savior, redeemer, and rescuer. That doesn't sound like number two to me, right? Like women, take that in. Savior, redeemer, rescuer. This word, and there actually is another Hebrew word for second, for helper. It means second, that, they did, that was not used in the scripture. So this word was used 21 times in the Old Testament, and 16 of those times, it was used for God. This is a strong, relational, nurturing, caring word. This is no small thing. When we look at the Old Testament, the scriptures that also use this word, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. You, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is no small deal. The women in this room should feel a weight, a dignity to this calling that we have. This is the hero of Israel, David himself in these scriptures, calling out for his father to save him. We're missing out if we have a low view of this word, helper. It's not undignified. It's not busy work. I'm not talking about doing the dishes and doing laundry. And I would, I would beg to say that the Bible actually has more respect for this word than our culture does. Our culture is like, oh, it's an assistant, right? Our culture would say, oh, it's, it's number two. The Bible shows us it carries much weight and dignity and purpose. It is purpose-filled. 
But like I told you, the Lord is working on me. I think the culture would also say, you should be number one. They would say, go after number one. But as we follow Jesus, the goal of following Jesus is not to be number one. It is to become more like Jesus. He came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus is our ultimate example of a helper. He could have come and had a leadership role to have power over everyone, but he came as a servant. He was the ultimate servant leader. And I think when we look at the scriptures and we try to have an image in the New Testament of what this helper would look like, I think of the moment where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He did the nastiest thing you could possibly do. I don't really like feet. I don't know about you. He held dirty feet and washed them when he could have been sitting on a throne. My husband and I, um, when we got married, we wanted to have a foot washing. And to be honest with you, it felt a lot more awkward than I thought it would. (laughs) I have a big white gown on, right? And I'm kneeling down, but it is the most beautiful picture, kneeling down and washing his feet. And what I loved about that, but it, it, because it was a symbol of saying, I want to serve you all the days of my life. And it didn't end there. He got on his knees and washed my feet as an example of saying, I want to serve you all of the days of my life. The goal of marriage is to serve one another as we're working to become more like Jesus. What would our marriages look like? What would they look like if we worked on outserving one another? Rather than keeping up a list of, well, I did this and you did this. You didn't do enough this week. I took out the trash, you know, like we make all these lists in our head. Rather than focusing on outserving one another, because our example of that is Jesus. If we want to be more like Jesus, we are going to want to serve one another. And I don't know if I'll get through saying the next thing I'm going to say <laughs> without crying. She doesn't know I'm going to say this, but when I think of a helper, my sister Candace, I can't even look at her. We have this disease in our family. We ugly cry immediately. Um, when I think of my sister, she is the example of just such a beautiful helper. And for all of you single ladies, she's in a single season in her life. And I was just going through this message, thanking the Lord for how she has stewarded this season of singleness by honoring the Lord, by serving everyone around her. By having this heart of service, she hasn't said, well, I'm just waiting for my guy to come around and then I can serve somebody. No, she's having a humble heart and saying, I know God's given me this gift to serve and I'm going to use it in whatever season he's given me. So grateful for that. So if you're in the room and you're single, single mom, or you're just single waiting on your guy, don't let that make you believe that that gift of being a helper is taken away from you. So wipe all the tears away. (laughs) So, 
What does a life giver and helper look like? What does it look like? So Tim last week shared on what is a man, and he went through 2 Titus and, or Titus 2, 2 Titus, what am I saying? Uh, there's not two of them. Um, Titus 2, and it talks, Paul talks about men in the church and what they should exemplify, what they should look like, and he did not forget the women. Praise the Lord, okay? So Titus 2, 3 through 4, I'm going to go through this, and I'll stop a little bit as we go. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior. You might be like, what does that mean? You know, like what does reverent in behavior mean? This is an awareness of the Lord and who we are reflecting. That we are reflecting him to the world. That we have these bodies. I talked about Romans 12.1. Our bodies are a living sacrifice. It is a realization that my body is reflecting who Jesus is. And so I care about that. I'm going to be a good steward of that. And so as you go through the scripture, it then says not slanderers, right, which are liars, or slaves to much wine. So I'm going to kind of break that up. What I believe he's showing is that not slanderers would be people, women that keep clear community, okay, that are working towards a unified community. And then when it says slaves to too much wine, it's saying be clear in your mind. So we're going to start with clear minds. Alcohol, too much alcohol can cloud our vision, right? It, is not, it does not help our judgment. And I believe that it's not just alcohol that does that, that clouds our vision. But there are other things that do that, like too much social media, being on our phones too much. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this like, like, this is your problem, not mine. I've been there, okay? Um, and honestly, I think oftentimes we deal with so many insecurities, right? We struggle with so many insecurities, self-doubt, self-pity that can hinder us and be a distraction to us. So it makes it difficult to be in community, right? It makes it, it, makes it difficult to live a godly example. And Tim often talks about them as mind monsters, okay? My mom used to always say to me, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest. And what that means is these thoughts that you have, these insecure thoughts, anxiety, worry, you can't always stop from thinking about it, but you can stop it from taking control of who you are. And then clear community, slanderers are lying. And I think we can pretty easily fit in gossip in that as well. And this is always like everything goes real quiet when we talk about this, I feel like. Because we all struggle with it, right? We all have struggled with this area. And I believe that wine distorts the mind like gossip distorts community. Okay? And so... We, kind of, we believe this lie sometimes. We believe that I'm here, right? And if I tell this person right here, hey, I don't like something about this person or this thing or this organization, that it's going to draw us together. That it's going to create some kind of unity, some kind of closeness. And that's such a lie. First of all, what kind of friendship, what kind of foundation is that for a friendship? Not a good one. 
right? And I love in, in the scripture it says, this is a great reminder, Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So a lot of times we think about ourselves, right? And the person we're talking about, and we're like, yeah, it's not good for me. It's not good for the person I'm talking about. But it's also not good, good to, for the person you're talking to, for the person that's listening to you say these things. It is not creating community. And I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just trying to open up our eyes to the fact that we are containers. We have the ability to be containers of Jesus, to show who he, who he is. And women here today, if we cannot show, reflect Jesus to the world in this community as a body of Christ, where can we do it? Where can we do it? So the scripture goes on. It says, teach what is good, okay? Teach what is good. And some of you are saying, Kara, you're the one on stage. Hope you're teaching what is good, Right? Or you might say, I'm not, I don't lead a small group. I don't have some class that I'm teaching. I would challenge you and say, I believe your life is teaching something. By what you value, by what you prioritize, it is revealing something about you and about something about what you believe is important. And so we need to examine ourselves, and I've had to do this in myself is to say, what is my life teaching? The things I'm saying, the decisions I'm making, the actions I'm taking, what is it speaking to others? And oftentimes when we're teaching or pouring into someone, we can be so quick to, instead of holding up the truth of scripture to them, to hold up our opinion as if it is truth. And we have to be careful. We have to be so careful to realize our opinion, right? We value different people's opinions, definitely, and that's important. But we should always realize that it is so much more important that we hold scripture up first. That we realize that scripture is the truth. And our opinions, uh, <laughs> depends on the day, right? Um, and then when it comes to the next part of the scripture, it says, and train, and so train the younger women. Women, we need each other. We need each other. We let so many things get in the way of friendship and relationship. When I was in college, I used to say, I just don't get along with women, which is hilarious because now I'm over a women's ministry. But I used to say that. I just don't get along with women. And that was a lie that I was allowing myself to believe. And what I wasn't realizing was that I couldn't handle my own insecurities around other women. Was that I struggled with comparison issues too much. So I, could, I had a difficult time being close to other women. We cannot let that get in the way. And we have to make it clear what is the root of the issue. Just because you've had some pain and struggle in relationships with Women doesn't mean that you can't benefit from a godly friendship with another woman. We are missing out if we believe that we don't need each other. 
Rick couldn't possibly know what it's like to give birth to a child, okay? There are some things that we're not able to be able to express to other people and understand, but women do understand it with one another. And then this call to mentoring, and in a minute, I'm going to have Janice come up. Um, There's a call for the older women to mentor the younger women. And first, I want to speak to the young ladies in the room. Teenagers, I am not leaving you out of this. I need you to hear this big time. If we do not value the older generation, we are missing out. God has given us treasures in the older generation of wisdom, of understanding that we have to grasp. Older, older generations, oftentimes we can say, well, in the, you know, they don't understand. We're trying to keep up with the trends, people. You know, they don't understand that. Or, or we're trying to keep up with this culture. They don't know what it's like raising kids in this culture right now. Can I tell you, they have a clearer picture of what life looks like because they are able to step back and see a fuller picture. They see what is fleeting and they can see what is valuable. So do not miss out on relationships with the older women. And Janice, I'm going to have you come up as I say this. We're closing out. Um, But older women... I would ask that you not believe the lie that you are not needed here. We need your wisdom, your understanding, and your friendship. We need you. Uh, Janice is one of our gems here at the cross. We're so grateful for her. She's a mentor uh, in our Flourish program. We're going to talk more about that in January as we start a new year. But um, I've asked Janice just to share um, the answer to two questions. And the first, we'll have you go, uh, is... Why did you say yes to mentoring? Okay. I guess it really started back in 1983. And I went through, uh, until 1990, a time in my life that was unbelievable. Um, I want to cry when I think about it. I mean, it was just so horrible. There were four women. I had to write their names down because I was afraid I wouldn't wouldn't be able to remember when I got up here. But it was Jan Begg, Marsha Boyd, Glenda Clark, and my precious sister, Sandra. I did, um, the things we went through, I did those things. I, I caused these problems. I was the, the author of the problem. And I just didn't understand it. And I was saved when I was 12 years old. I went to the altar, and I know Jesus. But I didn't let Jesus be, um, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I just professed Jesus. And in this time, these four women, and others too, there were many others, they walked with me. I have so much to share. I have been through so many of the things that you young ladies are just now walking through. And I want to share with you. I want, you know that song, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus? This morning I got up 
singing that song. <laughs> and here they did it. And that's what I want to do. I want to tell you about my Jesus. I think I'm, I better, I'm going over my time here. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. That's great. And then the last question is, what has been a blessing in this time of mentoring? The first blessing to me, I don't know how many of you guys are in Flourish, but the blessing to me has been that every day when I pick that up, it, it just seems like it's exactly what I needed that day. God does that. He gives us what we need every day. Another thing is um, I've been able to have a relationship with a wonderful young lady. And it's meant so much to me. But I'm, when I help somebody or when in this mentoring, I, I get more out of it than they do. So, ladies, come on in. Come help us. You know, it's, it's just such a blessing. So I think that Flourish uh, gives us a daily plan. That's something I've always tried to preach to young ladies, I don't care how busy you are, how far you have to go to work. I had to be at work at 6 o'clock and had to drive to Tucker from Loganville for, um, if I tell you how many years, you're, you're going to know I'm very close to 80 years old. But um, I did, and I just didn't have time. I couldn't possibly open my Bible in the morning and say a prayer for my children and for my husband and for me for that day. You do have time. There's nothing. Seek ye first the kingdom right. of God, and everything else will come and set in its place. Aww. So anyway, so, awesome. so I love you, ladies. <laughs> Isn't she awesome? Thank you. So grateful for her, and um, I wanted to share this last thing is when I was thinking about needing that older generation. I am very grateful to have a relationship with my grandparents still at the age of 37. And my grandparents called me yesterday and they prayed over me. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor for 50 years and he prayed a beautiful prayer over me. Um, I cried last service. I'm going to cry that service too. Um, my grandmother then got on the phone and she just spoke life over me. She told me the things that she saw that God had gifted me with. She reminded me of the calling over my life. And I can't tell you, there's been nothing else in this whole week of preparation and praying that has been as encouraging as my grandmother saying, Kara, God has given you a work to do and you've been equipped to do it. It was the most beautiful moment. I was just in tears on the phone. So grateful. So young ladies, do not miss the opportunity of whether it's in a mentoring program, whether it's just having a conversation to be in relationship with the older generation. We're going to close with a time of prayer and worship this morning. The worship team's going to come up. And um, I just want to encourage you ladies in the room. Those in the room that maybe feel like you're in this mothering season and you're exhausted and tired and feel like everything you're doing isn't valuable. Right, And then those who maybe have a desire to get married, have children, have been struggling. And I would challenge the men in the room as well. Bring your wives up here and pray over them. Pray with your daughters. 
encourage them, remind them of the purpose that God has given them and the gifts that God has given them.